enter the world of mind your own marketing business, explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best, you are just proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business show. I'm Joe Barsness from web and mobile development team Fjorge, and today in our show we'll be talking with Mike Lloyd from NAF Digital. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Great to have you on the show. Really looking, ex- uh, really excited to talk to you uh, about you, your business, and kind of your expertise. So to start off, as always, um, tell us a little bit about NAF Digital and what uh, you do there, and what your team is is got uh, is really good at. Um, so NAF Digital, we're a, a boutique media agency that focuses on direct response advertising. So we work with various uh, direct response advertisers in all sorts of different verticals, uh, insurance, finance, uh, senior related products, uh, home service uh, type products like home security or home improvement. Um, We've been in business since 2001. Um, You know, a lot of the clients we've had have been with us for several years, uh, which is very fortunate. Um, And a lot of the things that we do well are uh, driving leads and calls. Um, And we do that through a number of different channels, uh, print, digital, uh, performance-based products, uh, social media, and, um, you know, even some uh, mobile app um, reach. So, um, you know, we continually focus on driving leads, sales, Um, you know, for direct response advertising, it can be some of the hardest things to make work. But once you kind of dial it in and figure out how it can potentially back out, um, you know, there really isn't a budget for a lot of these campaigns because uh, it's all performance driven. As long as you're matching into the client's performance metrics, whatever they are, um, they are happy. Uh, and you kind of just run as long as you can um, and make optimizations and tweaks to kind of keep it going for everybody. Um, obviously some things get tired and you have to refresh, but for the most part, um, you know, a lot of the campaigns we run, um, we've been very fortunate in running, um, you know, with some very, uh, marquee clients. So it's, it's been fun. Good. Cool. So, um, and I forgot to ask, um, when you have an office, since we're kind of in the middle of stayed home, um, where are you headed on a daily basis? I've actually been working from home. Uh, okay. so we're headquartered in Chicago. Uh, I'm in LA. Uh, we have a few other people scattered around the U S um, just like kind of any smaller digital company. You don't really need to have people in a particular space. Um, we were doing an office in Marina del Rey, uh, for a couple of years, but, um, you know, we gave that up and just kind of went remote. It just made more sense. Um, Got it. so yeah. But, and I also am a lecturer at Cal State University Northridge. So, um, oh, very nice. So yeah, I, I teach digital and social. Awesome. Well, that's cool. So hopefully you can uh, send this out to some of your uh, students uh, so they can hear a little bit more about what you do. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, they always ask. So it, it kind of, I could say, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen <laughs> to this. For extra credit, listen to this podcast. <laughs> um. What, uh, tell me about what your role is in the agency. I focus on um, 
you know, the, the campaigns that I'm running, the clients that I have, optimizing uh, their campaigns, um, proposing new opportunities for them. Um, I'm also in sales, so I go look for new accounts, new advertisers, um, and, you know, try and bring them and start testing new campaigns. Um, so that's, you know, kind of a one-stop shop, if you will. Got it. And you want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about how you got to where you, how long have you been with NAF? Um, and then kind of maybe work backwards to some of your other experience that you've had over the years? Uh, sure. Uh, I've been with NAF Digital uh, going on six and a half years. Um, so that's been, you know, pretty fortunate to be in the same <laughs> location for that long, same uh, job for that long. Um, I actually got my start in digital uh, back on in MySpace. Um, I actually, with some friends, we actually started to market um, some advertisers on MySpace uh, back in 2006. So uh, I actually just saw somebody post on LinkedIn about job requirements for social media and they said, you know, 14 years experience. And they're like, well, who, who's going to, you know, is somebody going to be marketing on MySpace? And actually I commented and said, I, I actually have. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we actually did localization before it was even called that. Um, sure. and so it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, I've worked in augmented reality, um, and I've worked in the, uh, music, uh, production side. Um, and then also I've worked, uh, in web development and, um, mobile app development and social media experiential development. Got it. And, and what, was there an interest at an early age? Is that what you knew you wanted to do? Like, how did you end up where you are? In kind of what, you know, web design and, and marketing. Um, and uh, I, I actually majored in history in college, but sure. um, I, uh, I started working at some, you know, kind of within marketing and, and talking to people. It was just something that I preferred to kind of gravitate towards. Um, I actually went back and got my MBA at Cal State Northridge um, to kind of give me that business foundation that I didn't really have because I didn't do that in undergrad. Um, so that was really helpful to understand kind of the mechanics of, you know, the proper way, I guess, for businesses to operate and things like that. So, um, you know, I was always kind of interested in how to market, how to sell. Um, I enjoy selling. Uh, I enjoy kind of the hunt of it. Um, I know it's not for everybody, but, you know, I feel like everyone's selling something. Um, <laughs> you know, sure. I actually tell students that I, I always say, you know, how many of you want to work in sales? And usually no one raises their hand. And then I always joke and say, so none of you want a job. None of you want to date. None of you want to do any of those things. And they kind of look at me with blank stares. And I'm like, that's selling. You're marketing you, right? You in a right. job interview are marketing yourself. You going on a date, you're marketing yourself. So you know, you have to kind of think of you as a brand um, and then you can, you know, push that out to other things that you're doing. Um, regardless of your position at a, at a company, you're trying to sell your idea, right? Like, well, I think we should do this. So I, I find it odd. This is something I tell a lot of folks is that there's very few schools that I know of that have sales as a major, right? Like um, something you can get a degree in. Yet, I truly believe that 30% of the workforce is salespeople. So why, where's the disconnect between like the education and what people end up doing, right? So that's an interesting disconnect that I see. So I agree with you. 
Yeah, and, and I, I, in my classes, I try and um, have students get certified in like Google, um, Hootsuite, HubSpot, um, you know, some of the other kind of digital certifications because it, it's more useful than a quiz, right? Like a quiz does nothing for you in your real, in a real world application, but you doing this and me giving you credit for it, yes, you get credit for the class, but it also helps you put something on your resume. And I've had students tell me that they've gotten the paid internship or they, you know, made it to the final round of a job or they got a job because of those certifications, because it set them apart from everybody else. And I'm like, I know, because I've talked to people in HR and that's what they're, you know, they're trying to see, like, if you have two people who on paper pretty much look the same, but one person has these kind of little extra things, it gives them a leg up. Um, and I feel like even, you know, with a lot of schooling, it's focusing too much on the academic and not enough on the practical sense of, you know, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it in a job? Sure. No, that's cool. I, I think we have the same viewpoint on that. So that's really cool. My favorite question to ask almost everybody on the show, what's the coolest thing you've done in your career? So um, for me, the coolest thing, you know, I, if, if I'd have to choose one um, was convincing a client to run uh, a senior client to run in a campaign that I knew was going to work because it was exactly their audience. Um, and it took two years um, and I was able to achieve that. So it was a nice win because they're one of my best clients um, and, you know, it turned out to be one of my best clients. So it's, it's one of those things where perseverance and, and kind of not letting things go <laughs> sure. kind of proves the point of, you know, when do you give up? And, and I guess in sales, you never really truly give up because, you know, even if someone says no, they said no for now. You know, you may come back in six months and that no turns into, you know what? Yeah, we do need to do this. Um, right. and, and so it's it just sort of was kind of nice to reinforce the idea of, you know, setting those reminders to reach out to people <laughs> every few months does pay off. Um, you know, and, and, and also knowing that with the, the, the exact kind of target that they were trying to reach and kind of how they were trying to reach it, you know, the, this marketing campaign was going to hit those metrics. Um, yep. and so it's, it's fun to see when those things kind of come together, you know, because yep. um, honestly for direct response marketing, you may think like, Hey, this is going to knock it out of the park and you start a campaign and it just does not perform. And you're just kind of surprised because you're like, well, we have all the targeting. We've set up everything. We have the good ads. We have great calls to action. This should be perfect. And then, you know, sometimes it just doesn't. Um, <laughs> and so it's always a kind of fingers crossed moment. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, one thing that I'm curious about that, that you probably know the answer to or have an idea on is like, how will all of this work from home and, and not even just temporary, but long-term, how will that alter advertising? And do you think like, are people, I'm on my desktop more. Is that, is that making a comeback at the expense of mobile? Um, what are you seeing so far? Yeah, I, um, it's a great question. So obviously prior to, to COVID, prior to the lockdowns and, and everything, you know, mobile was king. Um, you know, Google was switching and I'm sure you've seen in web in the development side, right? The, the mobile first strategy that Google is employing yeah. and, and indexing sites and all that fun stuff for SEO. And 
you know, obviously now um, with a lot of publishers that we work with, um, they all started to see, you know, much more traffic. They started to have a lot more impressions available. Um, and but demand has has, you know, gone down. So um, travel. Right. No one's really traveling. The whole travel industry is kind of upended. And, you know, essentially they are removed from advertising. You know, some of it's coming back, but not to the extent with which we've seen in the past. Uh, I mean, we're in the summer and obviously it's not like people are flying to Hawaii or going to Europe and all that kind of stuff. So um, there isn't as much demand, but there's a huge supply. And a lot of sites are seeing, you know, increases in desktop traffic because now everyone is you know, people are working from home, people are on their laptops or on a desktop or, you know, whatever it may be. So they don't have to be worried as much as like someone's going to spy on them at the office if they're checking out their Facebook page. Um, you know, and, and I've seen where some companies, when this all started, were implementing like all that tracking on people's computers to see like, what are they doing all day? Um, that's a little draconian, I think, if you don't trust your employees to do the work. I mean, it's pretty easy to tell if they're not doing the work, right? Because it's it's all like, did you do what you said you were going to do? And if you didn't, why? Um, but I think you're going to see more and more people being on desktop, I think. And, and desktop historically has always performed really well for various verticals. Um, it's just, you know, there wasn't as much inventory to go around the last couple of years because people were pivoting to, to mobile phones. And uh, but now I think... You know, people are still on their phones a lot. Um, I always ask the question of students, how many of you uh, are on your phone when you're watching TV? You know, virtually everyone raises their hand. I think now it's like it's like second. That whole idea of second screening is a little bit more now because everyone is on their phones. Um, but, yeah, I think you're going to see more uh, activity through desktop than we have in the past than what was even, you know, supposing like the. The, the metrics we're going to look like for 2020 or 2021. Um, I think you're just going to see a lot more traffic, which should be great because you could do more interactions, especially from like a web development side and, you know, cool marketing experiential side. You could do a lot more with the desktop. They're stronger, right? They're stronger machines, bigger screen. So you could do a little bit more kind of fun activations, I think. Cool. No, that's great. I think it's good insight and, and visibility into what you are seeing. You're probably at the tip of the spear there. So what's what's next? Like beyond just like, okay, there's a temporary work from home. Yes, more people are going to be home long term, you know, but what's next beyond that? Is it connected TV? Is it in car with Apple Play? I don't know. Like what or uh, what is the the routing software. Why can I not think of it? Cause I haven't used it for months cause I don't drive anymore. Um, Waze, there it is. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I've seen that when he pulled that up, they show you every McDonald's in the next, you know, in the next hundred miles. So what's next for like teams like yours in, in, in telling uh, organizations about? For me, I think we are, on that cusp of a new golden age of advertising, um, removing COVID, right, and everything from from the situation, I think in the in the next say year, um, I, and I'm assuming that you know there's there's massive testing, treatments, what have you for COVID, so like some semblance of normalcy starts to return within the next like six to eight months. Um, I think that connected TV and um, 
is going to be kind of the game changer. It already kind of is because, you know, I cut the cord a long time, uh, probably like two years ago. And when you're using all these apps, um, whether it's Tubi, whether it's YouTube TV, you know, Hulu TV, what have you, um, any of the ones that have ads in them, uh, you can't fast forward through them, right? You can't, uh, I mean, you can obviously leave the room, right? But, but these ad placements are happening um, and more people are kind of okay with having some sort of ad supported system if they don't have to pay for it um, because they're already paying for the cable internet. So if they're going to access like 2B TV and the deal is you're going to have to sit through some ad breaks, that's okay. Um, you can also, there's a lot of targeting options. So it's different than, you know, over the air or the cable, um, you know, ads. I mean, you know, so you could be a little bit more specific in who you're trying to find. And I think that's only going to grow, um, when you're trying to target specific households and things like that. Um, I also think, you know, when it comes about, uh, the self-driving cars is going to be another, um, avenue where people are going to be exposed to advertising um, more and more. And and obviously we're not obviously there yet, um, but when that does happen and that happens kind of in force, I think you're gonna see, you know, the, the, the ride will be cheaper because you're gonna be exposed to advertising. Uh, <laughs> and, and having those kind of ads where you can't really escape from it, um, is interesting. I mean, I'm sure you, when everybody got DVRs, the best thing about DVRs was you would fast forward through all the ads, right? No one watched live TV anymore. They would just set the the stations to record and fast forward through the ads. Now, no one really fast forwards through ads anymore. Um, unless you have, I don't know, unless you obviously you, you recorded something or whatnot, but, but for the most part, you know, a lot of these kind of on-demand apps that have these huge libraries you, you know we're just all kind of okay with watching ads now um so i think from a direct response standpoint i think that's going to be kind of a, a game changer um for a lot of them and, and if they start to really start you know get into it um and see that it's not just young people who have cut the cord it's it's lots of people especially right now because everyone's looking how to cut budget right how to save some money and obviously saving money is, you know, do you need that expensive cable or satellite bill? And can I just have internet and a, a handful of apps and know that my bill is going to be, you know, $80 a month and that's it. So I think it's a, I think that's really kind of an intriguing aspect um, for me is kind of watching how that uh, unfolds. And, you know, before all this, I was pitching clients about CTV. They were really excited. They had, you know, products to sell. And then, of course, this all happened and, it, you know, everything kind of was put on hold. And, and CTV, I was talking to one of our partners, has exploded. They have so much inventory now um, on a lot of these channels, especially because people are at home. So people are just watching TV and maybe working um, because they want that ambient noise because you can't work at a coffee shop anymore. Right. Right. Very cool. Um, so... I want to hear from you, like, what are, what is like a common myth now and maybe a recent thing that's happened about what happens in the advertising world? Like, is it a, you know, is it something that can be effective or, or is it just annoying? People think it's just annoying. You know, what are the common misconceptions of 
how you work and what you do and all those sorts of things? I think a lot of people assume it's, you know, that these things are, are that people have plans, right? And they kind of stick to them. They're set in stone and everything is, you know, up for debate. Things are, have to change. They're nimble, um, right? You, you see where ads get approved. Um, and I actually do, I, I show some of these in, in my, one of my classes, you know, like ads that got approved that how on earth did that happen, right? Whether there's racial connotations, whether there's mis, you know, mistranslated wording or imagery, um, and uh, you know those kind of things, and everyone always is like, well, how'd that happen? And I'm like, look, there were checks and balances throughout this whole creative process for these things, and these are big companies that have made these mistakes. And honestly, it just because I think when people are working on a project. They don't necessarily, no one plays devil's advocate. No one raises their hand and says, hey, I think this could be, you know, misconstrued and, and this is why. Um, and so I always explain to my students to be that voice in the room. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially if it's someone senior up who really loves a particular idea or a particular campaign, uh, sometimes they get a little pigeonholed into thinking like this is you know, everyone's going to, how can anyone misunderstand this? And it's like, well, cause you've been living in it and working in it for so long, you know, you need an outside person to say like, Hey, what, what could you take this as? Um, and I think you have to be really careful about, you know, cultural references and, um, you know, just, just making sure that, that things cannot be misconstrued, um, in terms of messaging or imagery, um, and, and in some instances, you know, some things they sh brands should not necessarily participate in. Um, you know, brands have an option. They could either participate in social discussion, which some do, and some don't. And, you know, honestly, it just depends on their abilities and, and what they want to do internally. Um, I do think, too, that from a creative standpoint, those types of things, you know, take time um, and, and, you know, you have to kind of keep testing, right? That's kind of the key. There's, there's wording images, um, you know, those little things, colors, though, those little things can really add up. Um, so it's not just something is successful right out the gate. It's usually, there's a lot of testing that goes in to figuring out how does something work, especially on the digital side. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, thanks, uh, Mike. That's, uh, all the time we have for today. Um, on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Um, again, I'm Joe Barsness from Fjorge, and I've got Mike Lloyd from NAF Digital. You can find him, oh well, NAF Digital and lecturer at Cal State Northridge. Want to get that in for the kids listening to you. Um, and you can find him online at nafdigital.com, and his email is mlloyd at nafdigital.com. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can find uh, episodes of our program uh, by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Uh, thanks for being on the show again, Mike. Appreciate it.